Well, serviced accommodation was kind of the thing that I started getting into. The first, um, the first month I put my, um, my three-story townhouse on the market, it, it sold out at like three and a half thousand pounds for a month. I'm not sure what that is in dollars. It's probably about six, five or six thousand dollars, maybe. Um, I just thought it's a nice chunk of change for sure. This is this 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 is <laughs> this is nice. You know, you know, I was used to getting like thirteen hundred pounds and banking maybe, um, you know, three four hundred pounds. Um, and I was I was taking like fifteen hundred to seventeen hundred pounds net profit on this, and I was like wow this is this is good and then there was all sorts of other things in the uk that you can offset um in, in taxation so not, not only was i great gaining more revenue by selling my place by the night i was also um <clears throat> putting more money in my bank as net profit but i wasn't paying as many taxes as well because of the because of the way that we can set up as set up in the uk um now once i got into that the next month i went out and bought another <laughs> What's up, everybody? My name is Mike Shogren here with my co-host, Emmanuel Pani. We're part of a group of specialized real estate investors you've probably never heard of. We didn't start with deep pockets or wealthy families, and we don't rely on 401ks, mutual funds, or traditional real estate investing. In fact, many of us don't even own the properties that fund our freedom. If you ask the money experts out there, they'd say what we do is impossible, yet it's happening every single day. It's happening through a new niche called short-term rentals. We are Short-Term Rental Nation, and these are our secrets. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Short-Term Rental Secrets Podcast. I am your host, Mike Shogren, here with my main man and brother from another mother, Mr. Emmanuel Pani. What's up, E? My brother, life is good as always. Um, I am in my never-ending fight to get the villas refinanced. I feel like David and Goliath, uh, but at last I'm going to find a way. Um, It is... It, it was a reminder for me this week. So I got a rejection on Tuesday from another bank. And it was just such a reminder to one, pay attention to, to how you talk to yourself. And two, really having that strong support system. And I'm extremely blessed that both my, my wife, my brother, my sister, my mom, my dad, everybody that I talked to was super supportive. And it just, it makes all the difference, right? Because then I kind of, it's kind of sad for a little bit, not going to lie, right? You, you feel disappointed when you're working on something that you know is good and it's working and it's making money and, and other people are not recognizing it. Uh, it can be frustrating, uh, but went to the gym, um, abused myself physically, which is something that I, gives, me, gives me joy and kind of helps me level out and then went back to the drawing board. And, and you know, it's, as we say, right, you can't, you can't fail if you don't quit. Um, so very much in that bandwagon and, and reminded of the daily up and downs that we face as entrepreneurs and, and choosing this life, right? That's it, man. That's but it's it. our blessing, you know, at the same time. So how you are you great. guys? You, you, you get like the Rico Suave thing going on. I feel like I'm like watching like an Old Spice commercial or something. Right. It's the hair, man. The hair is, it's a, it's a beast on its own. I don't, I don't know what to do. I don't know if I control the hair. The hair controls me now, but it's, uh. It's, it's working, you know? <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. Well, uh, I'm excited to get in. This is episode 53. So this is officially kicking off year two of the podcast, which is amazing. If you guys haven't checked it out yet, uh, listen to last week's episode. 
uh, where we did a breakdown of our top 10 tips that we got over the last 52 weeks uh, do this podcast. So today we have a very special guest with us who we also met through Clubhouse. And again, if you're not on Clubhouse, you're missing out. It's where all the cool kids are hanging out and they recently opened it up to Android users. So you have no excuse now, get on there. Um, But today we have Dave Goodfellow with us. And uh, Dave's been uh, in the property business for 10 years, Uh, three years STR mixed strategies he's owned. He's rent to rent or the rental arbitrage model as we call it here. He's done management. He also has three apart hotels in the pipeline, which is exciting. I want to talk about that today. Uh, he currently has 40 units, and uh, we're excited to have him on all the way from the UK, Mr. Dave Goodfellow. How are you doing, sir? Hey, I'm good. I'm, I'm happy and to be here. And uh, thanks for letting me kick off the second year. That feels put me un- under a bit of pressure, right? <laughs> uh, I think, you, I think you'll what, 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 have you, what have you done to me here? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. And you get that sweet background going. Make sure you guys yeah. On YouTube too, because it's fun to actually like watch a dialogue. But we were joking offline that he's got like the whole, I don't know, holy it crown looks, going on behind him. He looks like a saint from the like those paintings from the Renaissance. You know, it's it's one of the a little bit and put my head back a little bit like this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it! I love it. Well, Dave, why don't you kind of bring us back? Like, how did how did you get into the to the real estate and then the short term rental game? Like, what were you doing? What triggered you to get into this? Yeah, great question. So. um my text so for 10 years ago, I was getting into doing what we call flips now, but I didn't know they were called that back then. I was a, I was an operations manager for a home improvements company and I thought I could buy properties, add a bit of value to them and, and sell them on and make a few, few quid, a few quid. That's a real uh, British thing, isn't it? So make a few, make a few dollars or, or pounds, whatever you want to call it. Right. Um, and I did that and kind of, I didn't really know what I, what I was doing. I didn't realize I was getting into real estate property. I just thought it was um, kind of just a good thing for me to do with my skill base and transfer them into buying property, adding value and selling them on. And I did that for a, for a few years and, and flipped like four or five properties and then got into buying property and holding it um, and had a very small buy-to-let portfolio. I don't know what you call it over there. In, in if buy-to-let is uh, like a rental business, so you buy it, you hold it, you put somebody in, it will stay there for six six months to however long they want, charge it on a monthly rate. Um, but the problem with that strategy was that over in the UK, uh, there's so many um, anti-landlord uh, t- taxes and um you know, it's difficult to get a tenant out of the property if you want to move them out. They brought in a thing called Section 21. So if they stopped paying your rent, you couldn't just get them out of the house. They were they were legally obliged to still stay there. And um, I was getting a, you know, a boiler would break down and it'd wipe out my profit for the year. And I just thought to myself, you know what? It's too much hassle having buy-to-lets. So in um, November, November 2018, I had a tenant that was in one of my three-story townhouses in in Chester in the UK, um, beautiful little house, great little Roman city. And I thought to myself, right, I'm, I'm going to try and uh, do the, do the, the serviced accommodation model. And in the background, the year before I'd, I'd kind of been like thinking about getting out of my, my, my job, if you like, and moving from working from, for somebody from work, working to my, for myself and making my own money. Um, my missus fell pregnant and I was working away kind of on a, going away on a, a Sunday afternoon, not coming back till a Friday evening. And I was like, this isn't a life when I've got a child, I want to be around more. So serviced accommodation was kind of the thing that I started getting into. The first um, the first month I put my um, 
my three-story townhouse on the market, it, it sold out at like three and a half thousand pounds for a month. I'm not sure what that is in dollars. It's probably about six, five or six thousand dollars, maybe. Um, I just thought it's a nice chunk of change for sure. This is this 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 is this is nice. You know, you know, I was used to getting like thirteen hundred pounds and banking maybe, um, you know, three four hundred pounds. Um, and I was, I was taking like 1500, 1700 pounds net profit on this. And I was like, wow, this is, this is good. And then there was all sorts of other things in the UK that you can offset, um, in, in taxation. So not, not only was I great gaining more revenue by selling my place by the night, I was also, um, <clears throat> putting more money in my bank as net profit, but I wasn't paying as many taxes as well because of the, because of the way that we can set up as set up in the UK. Um, now, once I got into that, the next month I went out and bought another property and, and I transferred that from a, a three bedroom kind of masonette in a social housing block into a four bedroom um, serviced accommodation unit or an STR. Um, and but that took a little bit of time to kind of buy it, rip everything out of it, start again and, and go. And I thought, well, what, what am I going to do in the meantime to kind of make a little bit more money coming through? And how can I do that quicker? So what I did is I went out and looked for what we call rent to rent, but I think you call it rent um, arbitrage. Over, is it arbitrage over there? Yes. So um, we went out and I, um, in the January, uh, January, February, I went out and spoke to a load of letting agents and I, I picked up four, four, um, rent to rents or rental arbitrages in one weekend. And then I was like, oh, I'm not going to swear. What the, what am I going to do with this? What am I going to do with them all? How am I going to get them all set up? I'm working. I'm, I'm not, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not full time in this. And I just had to work uh, with my business partner and we kind of muddled through it and got them set up a lot, not, not as quick as what we wanted to, because we were doing it at night and at the weekends and stuff. And then it just went from there, really. I took on a, a load more. We took on 12 um, rent-to-rents in our first 10 months. Um, and then we've just grown grown from there, really. Through through the pandemic, we, we um, have a prime minister over here called Boris Johnson, and he came on to, to tell us that, you know, in... <laughs> in March last year that we had to stop all travel for business and, and leisure guests. And we were like, well, what, what, who are we going to put in our properties then? Cause that's all of our customers or all of our guests. Right. So we just kind of went out and thought, right, well, who's going to be busy right now? What businesses are thriving through the pandemic? So for us, it was the NHS, which is our um, national health service. So we went to them and we filled most of our properties with doctors, nurses, because they were just overspilling, right? Um, and then we looked for key workers that were working in refineries and power stations. And we managed to fill all of our properties with those types of people. So that kind of got, got us through a lump. And then we started uh, a training company and we started training people on how to, um, you know, get rental service, rental properties on. And, and that what they did is they'd go out and get them and then they'd give them to us to manage the properties for them. So we then grew our serviced accommodation management business off the back of that too. And that's taken us up to kind of present day. And in the last three or four months, we've, um, no, six months, sorry, we've purchased uh, our first apart hotel um, on, on, a, on the North Wales coastline, which is a beautiful coastline. We call it the Welsh Riviera. Um, and that's a, that we're changing that into a, an 11, 11 apartment hotel. 
and then we've just picked up another two. So we've offered and had them accepted and we're in, in, in the process of, process of exchange and completing on them. Uh, one is a, um, a 28 uh, apartment hotel and the other is a, a 40 apartment hotel. So yeah, we're looking really looking forward to getting stuck into those and just managing multiple units under one roof rather than doing lots of single dwellings, you know? So yeah, mm-hmm. that's, that's, where, that's where we're up to. And uh, that brings us up to present day. And I'm sorry if I went on a little bit there. No, that was oh, perfect, wow. man. That yeah. was amazing. Hmm. That, that kind of scaled. You know how people say like a 10-year success kind of happens mm. overnight, but that was really kind of how that happened. Um, how did you, so if I understood correctly, right, you have people that are now doing rent-to-rent or rental arbitrage and are now coming back to you afterwards and having you do the management. Yeah. So we've got a mix. Yeah, we've got a mix of people. So when we when we do our mentorships, some people want to run the the business themselves, but some people just want the cash flow and want kind of a a, more of a passive income. And we all know STR isn't passive. Right. But um, they want as much of a passive income as they possibly can get. So we teach them how to go out and, and secure the product and then we'll take that off them and we will just, you know, send them the check every month and give them a kind of turnkey service on that. Um, and we're kind of going UK wide on that at the moment. We started in Chester and we've started sort of going out to other places in the UK and we're just looking forward to, to building that business over the next three, few years. I love that. Can you, can you walk us through that model? Cause that's a very interesting model. Yeah. Um, I'm fascinated. Are you, is your company the one signing on those leases or no? So, so how your partners are paying the rent every month and you're just managing it and giving them a distribution for whatever it comes in. Exactly that. Yeah. So what we do is we, we take them on as a, on a mentorship uh, we'll train them. We'll show them what we call the, the service accommodation roadmap where they start with nothing. Uh, and we help them sort of set up a business and, and help them go out and teach them how to, you know, firstly, make sure that the area is correct. We call it find your, find your SA area. Uh, if we were to come over to the, to America, it'd be find your STR area. That's a bit of a mouthful, but there you go. Um, and once they've done those and they can understand how to analyze a deal properly and do their due diligence and, you know, understand what areas work well, because we all know that not all locations work. Um, some do, some don't, depending on, um, you know, the population density and, you know, how much leisure and, business there are in those areas and once we've done that with them we then teach them what we call a seven stage sales cycle so there's a and this is like an old sales thing i used to do years ago when i was selling selling windows and it's a seven stage cycle where you go through a process where it's very difficult for the landlord or the letting agent at the end to say no to you because you really truly believe that we are the best option for them and i do truly believe that for buy to let commercial landlords we are the best option for them because we look after their properties right we have to um if we don't the next person that comes in gives us a bad review we lose revenue right so we we teach them how to go through that process with the um with the landlords and letting agents and then once they've done that and they've got them on board we then go through a process of how you set your properties up how you furnish them we give them all our contacts you know with their furnishing companies and um, linen and cleaning and maintenance teams and then what we do is we just we give them a contract where we take 15% of gross revenue plus VAT. Um, that's value added tax in our country. I'm not sure what you have over in America, same similar sort of thing. 
Um, and then, yeah, we, we just manage that for them. They hand it to us. We send them a check every month. They make money. And um, so do we. So it's a great model. I love it. That's so smart. Because if you, for our listener, uh, TJ does something similar, right? Is the perfect, uh, perfect tenant, the tenant program. Yeah. Well, well look, the, the thing for me, right? I am, I'm a sing, I'm a person that works and I'm the person who used to go out and get the business in. So for me to go out and do that, I can normally get two or three a month by going out and seeing landlords and letting agents with everything else that I do. But if I can teach people and I can have six, six people in my area doing the same thing, that's six times three, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I teach people to go and do it. They go and do it. They pass them back to us. We, we help them. They make good money out of it, by the way, too. Um, everybody's happy. It's a win-win. I love it. Yeah, I love it. Um, yeah, and it's such a like great example of what we talked about. Is just that abundance mindset of like if you go out and teach other people and you're confident in the value that you provide, you actually grow your business, right? They're shrinking it. Um, so that is part of your business. And then what what does the rest look like? So with this uh, hotel apartments that you guys are getting into buying, so those you have, those you're actually purchasing, I assume you have partners. And you guys are just going to yeah, run through them? Or how does that work? Yeah, I can talk you through how I do that, if you like. I can talk you through the well, the three the three that I've got. I've done slightly different. So the the first one, I, um, I purchased the property itself. And then we've got what's called development finance to uh, develop it. So bought it for a quarter of a million, so 250,000. Uh, development finance on it, so around 550,000. And um, the end value will be about 1.4 million. I'm not quite sure what that is in dollars. Probably, you know, about like two million, two million dollars, yeah. something like that. Um, yeah, yeah. Maybe. Um, so on that one, I purchased the, the actual property myself. So I used my own cash, put that into it uh, and bought it. And then <clears throat> used the um, leveraging that money that I put in and the building to get development finance on it and had a, an end valuation done what we, from what we call RICS over here, Rick's valuation. And then that helps us go out and get, um, get the lending. Uh, the second property, um, <clears throat> we did that slightly differently. So the, the building itself was 850,000. Um, again, I'm not sure what that is in dollars. So 850,000 to purchase the building. Um, we've got gone for private investment on that. But what we do on the first day when we get the development finances, we um, we get development finance, which co- covers half of the building. So we get half of the money back for the building. Uh, we don't actually exchange money until the day and you do it all on the same day. So you're only putting out, you know, half of the 850,000 plus, plus some costs and stuff like that. And once you've done that, you get your development finance, develop it. Um, so that one, the development finance is uh, 1.2 million. <clears throat> And then the revaluation is a uh, 3.2. So, um, so that we did that with that, that was private investment. Uh, the third property uh, that we're, we're still in the process of um, kind of securing this deal and making sure that we, we we're crossing, crossing the T's and dotting the I's. Mm-hmm. So on that one, we've done um, what we call vendor finance. So the building um is un- unencumbered. Do you know what unencumbered means? So it's it's a, the building doesn't own it free building, and clear. That's it exactly. So the person who owns the building owns it clear, free and clear. So we've gone in and showed them the model that we're using for the other apart hotels, 
And then we've done a deal with them to use the building as collateral for the development finance. Um, so we secure it against the building with our risk valuation and what we've done on our previous roles. And uh, they come in on the deal. They take 50%, we take 50%. Um, you know, in the end, we revalue it. They take all the money out and take 50% of the revenue, or 50% of the net profit. Now that, those last two, I've not put a penny into. So um, I say not a penny. Yeah, We've had to put a few quid in at the, at the beginning to kind of get the ball rolling with architects and stuff like that. But yeah, that's 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 how we that's how we work it. Yeah, and and I think this is the perfect example uh, once again to all of the people that have been on mm -hmm. our show that have grown exponentially, is the ability of creating the structures that work and mm -hmm. not getting super. Because I think a lot of the times people, especially at the beginning, you only know certain ways to do certain things. Yeah, the, the beauty of of time and experience is that you you learn other ways that you can do things. You know where I learned how to do all this stuff? Probably in your construction construction Clubhouse. Oh, yeah. Clubhouse. Yeah. Oh, I've been doing I've been doing this this is the last three months, right? So yeah. the, the connections that I've made through Clubhouse. Yeah. And the, the you know the, the friends that I've made and the business part partner relationships that I've made. Yeah. Show me how to do this. It's all awesome. coming. All, the, the three apart hotels have come in the last um, three months. I tell yeah. a lie. Tell a lie. <clears throat> the first one I bought about four or five months ago, so just before Clubhouse, but I changed the strategy on it because I was going to put a lot more money into that deal. But changed the strategy, and I didn't. Yeah, I haven't had to put as much as a as what I thought I was going to have to in there. Yeah. And then you pretty much just for for our American listeners, you're just getting a renovation loan. So that's what we would call that here. So you yeah, buy the assets and you have a renovation yeah, loan. Exactly that. Point. Development finance, we call it over yeah. here. But yeah, you call it rent renovation loan. Yeah. Just, yeah, yeah, it would be a renovation loan. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Which is brilliant. I love that. I love that. So what triggered you to to get into the apart hotels? By the way, we can talk offline. I'm trying to come up with a different name because we're launching a 22 unit and I hate the word apart hotel. I'm like, there's got to be a sexier term that we can come up with because it just sounds so clunky. Apart hotel, yes. Yeah, kind of kind of a mouthful, right? Yeah. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Um, I don't know. What, I, I haven't got the answer to how you, yeah. uh, what you call it. But... <laughs> we'll have a WhatsApp after and try and brainstorm yeah, something. Cool, yeah, we'll, 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 we'll work something out. We'll work something out. I'm quite creative that way. So yeah, I'll, 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 I'll help with that. Um, yeah, so why did I um, try to get into the apart hotels rather than the, the normal single dwellings? Very, very simple. So if you think about doing 22, your, your new one, your 22 apartments, and you've got 22 apartments across the country, different areas, you've got to have 22 different cleaners, 22 different um, whatever it is. Your maintenance teams are all over the place. They're all over the cities or all over the country. Now bring that under one roof. What happens? You get economies of scale, right? So one of the things that we're doing in our apart hotels, we're putting laundries in the bottom. So we can do the laundry. We can do our own linen. We have a cleaner and a maintenance team that are literally working on that because they're big enough to be able to do that. And we are going to be very hands-off with them too. But one of the main reasons for doing the apart hotels too is that we over in the UK, we have the, the guest houses and the, um, the, the hotels have just struggled so much over the last uh, year or so. 
Now, the the reason why they struggle is their operational costs are so expensive. So, you know, their food, their wet trade with the with the bars. Um, you know, they normally have a live-in family that have a, a, a huge space, which is the apartment, is an apartment. So what we do is we go in and we take out all that operational cost. We change it all into a very hands-off apart hotel. It's virtual check-ins, virtual in and out. Um, it's, it's a lot more simple and we can get more, more, more usable space that we can make money from the, from the, the apartments, right. By renting them by the night. So that's, that's, that's the reason why I did it more two two things. One is the, you know, multiple, multiple dwellings under one roof rather than having them all over the place, economies of scale and being able to add value in a different way to what a hotel would do. hundred percent. And one other thing too, once you get into like the commercial real estate, at least in the U S those properties, and I'd imagine it's the same in the UK, those properties are valued based on how much cash flow or profit they bring in. So you have a lot more control over the valuation. So when you do that and you implement those systems, you raise the revenue, you decrease the expenses. When you go to refinance it, it's a, it's a good payday. You got it. You got it, right? So the numbers that I've just went gone through with you there on those different apartments, they are very much uh, a, a tamed version of what we're going to get once we've once we've operated them for a couple of years and the way that we can finance so we call it over here commercial finance so it, it's worked on turnover uh, rather than um rather than you know a, 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 a buy to let mortgage or something like that which are just a lot lower so the more you make the more uh, value you can get out you, you it's exactly the same from an operational standpoint I do want to get into this a little bit, especially based on your background where you're very, you've got that strong operations background. Um, I'll get into that in a second, but just from, so you've got these three new properties. Are you, are you branding each one separately and each one will have its own direct booking set? Are you going to do it under your umbrella? It's a great question. So we're going through that at the moment. Now, I'm asking these questions selfishly. Yeah, no, no, I get this. I get it. So we're going through this at the moment. Do we do we do this under our, our existing brand, which is Copper House? Or do we just create a separate brand? All the, all the apartment hotels are going to be called something different. So um, the one that we've got in North Wales is going to be called the Woodlands Hotel, or Woodlands Apart Hotel, whatever you want to call it. Um, so they will be called something different. But we'll, we, we may run them under our existing company and just tie them into that because all the operations there, um, you know, it's all set up already. It's just it's, it's pumping it into our existing infrastructure and just away you go. Mm. Um, but then another side to me is like, well, do we create a different brand for this? And I, I just I don't know is the answer. Uh, if you've got the answer for me, I'd be happy to have an open conversation about it because yeah. it's it's a it's a quandary that I've got at the moment that I'm I'm not too sure about. I'm not quite sure what the benefit would be to splitting it down, or if there's a benefit in pull, pulling it into the existing business. I I don't know. I'd love to have the answer for that, but I haven't. Yeah, no, and I love I love these conversations because I think this trend is going to continue, and that's why like it it's fun for us because we we run the gamut for the guests that we have some of them are fairly newer and they're running single family homes all the way up to yourself they're now doing these apart hotels and it's good for whatever stage somebody's in to get a sense of like okay getting clear on where do i want to take this and is am i interested in doing this and what what kind of value can i get from an episode like this you know thinking a little bit further down the line and 
you know, for us right now, we've, I've run it through the same infrastructure, same team, same everything, but we have branded them differently. So each one has its own website, which is a bit of a pain in the butt, but our good buddy, Mark Simpson's building out the new one for me right now for the next one. So he's taking care of that. Um, But yeah, at some point I'm debating if I put it under one umbrella or at least link it out so that somebody looks for occupied, then they go find it. You let let me know how you get on because mine's not going to be ready till sort of March next year by the time we've, we've done the refurb. So the first one's not going to be ready till March next year. So let me know how you get on. And I'm, I'm quite happy. I'm, I'm, I'm very open to not reinventing the wheel. So if it works for somebody else, there's no, no, no point in reinventing the wheel, right? Exactly. Just go with, go with other people's recommendations. I'm very much somebody who does that. What's your plan for the rest real quick. I'm curious. So while these are kind of going through development, What's your plan for the rest of this year? Are you still focused on doing a lot of the, the rent to rent? Yeah. 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 So our plan for this year is to grow to 68 properties with the, um, it's very, very, very exact that, but there's a reason yeah. for being exact. You know, we've, we've got a certain amount that we want and a number that we want to reach um, in, in, in that business. So uh, we want our turnover to be 1.1.5 million, and when we work it back, it's that's 68 properties. So we're on we're on course for that now. We've got 40 now, and we've got a, a number in the pipeline that are coming through that'll should take us. If I stopped right now, the stuff that's coming through the pipeline will get me there by the end of the year. Um, but yeah, so we're still carrying on with that in the background. But you know, where we go in the future? Am I going to go more towards the apart hotels? Well, I suppose I'll let you know that once we've got our first one up and running, right? Um, what I was going to ask is one talking about the branding. I I like, I think there, it would be good for us as, as SDR operators to kind of look at our hotels. I think you can see in the main hotels, like a lot of like Hilton owns a lot of, a lot of stuff. And then Mm -hmm. to just do that, like double three by Hilton. So maybe that could be an idea of doing it like that. Like, so that people recognize your, your name. Because I think that has has a value. Yes, yeah, so you got um, you got the branding, but you just slightly you separating it slightly. That's a great. Yeah, idea. I, like I think I don't know. That's probably what I would personally do. Like I, I would like to keep it. You know, what I mean, and kind of keeping keeping the culture. Uh, mm-hmm. But my next question, which I, I like asking to people, they're kind of I asked this to Ryan Luke as well. Is like, what does what does your day to day look like now? So now that you are, you know, you're growing, you have people helping you acquire more rent to rent what does the day-to-day of an operator that has 40 plus unit and three apart hotels yeah that does not work apart that's, 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 <laughs> you don't like that the apart hotels hotel needs to go yeah i wanted to try and say it myself and my other is not yeah that, we'll, we'll, we'll come up with something guys yeah, yeah, right? we'll, we'll that, that, that'll be the goal for the end of this for, for the end of this this week is to yeah. change it from a part hotel to something different but, um <laughs> That's a, that's a great question. So what does my week look like now? It's a lot different to what it was when I had, you know, seven properties and I was running around like a headless chicken, like thinking, how the hell can you scale this type of business? This is an absolute nightmare. But no, and I'm, I'm, so my, my service accommodation business now, I, I spend a maximum of about three hours a week on it. I've got an operations manager. I have a, uh, three VAs in the Philippines that run all the guest services. Um, it's very much a a systemized and scalable business and we've built it that way for a reason. You know, we tie new properties into our existing infrastructure. It's just done by everything, everybody in the, 
in the uh, <laughs> call it the sausage machine. But you know, what I mean, it goes in and it comes out the other end, and it's just done. So, yeah, my my actual input on the the the, the operational side of the serviced accommodation business now is very minimal. And the three hours that I do is more around, you know, having a, a team meeting once a week. We had it today, Thursday, um, and then we're going through, you know, just the, the the high level, you know, where we're up to with our numbers, what we're looking at doing, what's good, what's bad, what are we doing about it, you know, you know, what are we carrying on with, what are we not, what are we going to change? It's very high level. The the kind of detail stuff is is done by by the team now, but my my day to day is is normally. Um, set up with doing coaching and mentoring so I do a lot of that which is what I enjoy um, I really enjoy doing that and I wouldn't change I wouldn't change that for the world um, and also looking at new looking at ways and, and looking at for new new developments and and learning and learning from from clubhouse on a daily basis you know getting in there and mixing and networking and I mean that's that's the type of thing I love doing I love coaching people love um, mentoring but I love networking and I love getting out there and speaking to people and learning new things. So that's what I spend most of my time on the stuff that I like. <laughs> mm. Going back to your like operations background, <clears throat> when you look at this business and when you were, when you were at that seven units, like freaking out and what was your thought process on, okay, how can I create process and systems so that I can scale? Like, what did that look like for you? If you had to like visualize that, so again, that's another great question. So my, my, my background when I was, I was an operator, when I left my career, I was a, an operations director, but for the last sort of 18 months of working for a blue chip company, I worked with really high end consultants. And um, when I say high end consultants, these guys were, were on, you know, 1500 to 2000 pounds a day, uh, working for somebody for, for us in our business. And what I did with them is I, I really, I, I, I sat and, standardized and systemized the the home improvements company that I was working for and basically we 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 took everything apart stripped it all down and set out step-by-step processes processes and standard operating procedures and just really took everything back to basics and worked out step by step we all know in business that everything's got a start point and a finish point right and a process is really very simple you start at the beginning and you work out what the steps are to get to the end, and then you build a system or a process around it. So my business partner, he's a very techie person. He's really great with systems and applications. And I'm the I'm a kind of a more of like a visionary, if you like. So I'll sit back and go, right, this is what we need, and this is how it needs to work. And I'll say, right, Chris, can you make this work? So what he'll do is he'll go out and he'll look at all the best in class applications that will make the, the system work or the procedures work. And we, 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 we build it from there. So we, we've got a, we've got a, um, a system, what we call the office in our pocket. So we can manage our business or I can manage my business and he can manage the business from anywhere in the world, as long as we've got Wi-Fi or a 4g connection. And from about nine applications we use and that we can, we can kind of work, we can run our, our whole business from that. Mm. That's the answer to the question. Yeah, I love the office in the pocket thing because I think that's going back to other guests that we had 
uh, Julie George would pretty much be on that same bandwagon, right? It's, it's uh, yeah. running everything through your phone. Um, million dollar host. Yeah, exactly. Uh, what what was your guys? Because I think Mike has a, has a great point in the sense of where our where our listeners are. But when it was you and Chris, right, and you got to that seven units, mm-hmm. who was the next hire? Like, what did that look oh, like? Great or question. Who was your first hire? First hire was a VA in the Philippines. Oh, no, let me go back a step. Go back a step. <clears throat> so our first hire was a maintenance guy, a maintenance person. Because, and, and when I say hire, they weren't like a full-time employment person. They were just somebody that we went out and said, look, we are sick of going out to properties and, and you know, doing the, the light bulbs and the, all that sort of stuff. So our first hire was a guy that um, got a maintenance, a maintenance person who took that away from us. So if a guest couldn't get in the property, somebody that would go and sort that out. Because we we, me, me and my business partner, Chris, were sick of, you know, sit, get, sitting down for a meal with the family on a Friday evening and you get a phone call and you have to drop everything and go out to the property. So that was our first hire. Our second hire and the, and, the, and the one that took away the, the most time for us was, um, was sorry, my dog's growling in the background. So, oi! Sorry, you can cut that out. <laughs> I love it. Most episodes, my five-year-old runs in and, and crashes the episodes. Yeah, yeah. I'm it's so sorry. Something which is <laughs> pretty entertaining. So I don't mind. I think it makes for great for a great show. It's, I'm sorry about that. Sorry yeah. about that. I've completely lost my train of thought. Oh yeah. Okay. So my um, so my, my the maintenance guy that I um I took on to to deal with that. He's now my operations manager. So he came in at a lower level. He, he kind of saw. He, he was he was quite smart about it, really. And I've known him for years. He was a he used to buy and he the, the properties that I used to buy and turn over. He used to sell for me. Um, so he saw an opportunity when what we were building and he got in there early and, you know, got in as a maintenance guy, took away a lot of our pain. And now he's my, he's my operations manager. He's just come up through the ranks and he's a great guy. But the second, the second hire that I made was a, v, a VA in the Philippines. And what we did is we, we, we wanted somebody just to handle all the guest services. So the phone calls that were coming in um, and, that that was that was straightforward for us. So again, with my 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 operational background, we just took everything that me and Chris and I were doing, and the stuff that we could, the low hanging fruit or the administration tasks, um, you know, the phone calls or that sort of stuff. We built out what we what I call a day in the life of, or a, a ditlo day in the life of Monday to Friday, or we actually did Thursday to to um, to Monday because we didn't we wanted them working the weekend so we didn't have to take calls over the weekend and we just built out a plan did a training plan off the back of it got the right systems in place to be able to monitor what they were doing um you know screen monitoring systems and stuff like that um and uh yeah built a training plan out and there you go it was uh, I love it. that was the that was the first thing we did I'm going to get in the weeds a little bit on that because I think I know when I was first getting into it, I think where I dropped the ball a lot was on the whole onboarding and training. And again, I know we're getting in the weeds, but I think this will be very helpful for folks that are kind of at that five to 10 unit range and they're starting to bring on help where I was, I was delegating, but it was more just like I had these SOPs and I was just pushing it off, like just read this and do this. Right. And I wasn't investing that time to like effectively onboard somebody. And I don't, 
claim to have that completely dialed in now, but it's a lot better than it used to be. So if you could kind of walk through like what that was like for you guys and like, you know what, you make a really good point there. Really good point. Now I'm going to go back a step because the first hire that we did, uh, the first VA that we hired, we didn't nail that properly. Okay. We didn't do the training properly. We did all the, you know, what, 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 what we, what we did was we, we used a piece of software called loom. Have you got that over there? Yeah. Loom. Yeah. Um, so we'd record everything that we do. So if you're booking in, booking somebody in or putting, you know, a, a, uh, a booking into your channel manager or pricing or whatever it was, we, we, we recorded everything. And we had an education channel in our piece of, in our communication system called Slack. Have you mm-hmm. heard of Slack? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we have an education channel in there, which has got a video on anything. You can go in there, you can search for anything you want and a video will pop up and you can watch it and it'll show you how to do it. But what we didn't do is we didn't really nurture the, 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 the first person that we took on board and we, we give them the videos, but we didn't really sit with them and make sure that they understood them properly and went through it and, you know, did the, did a proper training plan with them. We kind of just started throwing a load of things at them and, and guess what? That didn't work. So the next person we did, I, I set out a process again, <laughs> sound like a really sad person here, but it works. So I've got uh, <laughs> an eight, an eight step process to taking on a VA, which starts with their purpose, you know, how they, what you want them for and the type of person that you want. And it goes into a ditlo and it goes through eight different stages all the way up to kind of the training plan and how you train them. And it's really detailed what we, what we do. Um, and that worked. So the second one that we took on board, we'd made all the mistakes with the first one. Um, we made sure we had enough work for them because we weren't giving the first person enough work. And we all know with VAs, if they're not getting enough work, they're going to go and look for something else and do two jobs at the same time. Um, and we just made sure that we, we, we kind of nailed that process down. But one of the, one of the best things is, is, is Loom and being able to create all those educational videos and get that step-by-step processes. And you know, you've just got to be really detailed in your approach to that, in, in my opinion. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And I think, and I think um, as you grow, you appreciate where you're coming from a lot more. I think at the beginning, you'll definitely be like, yeah, that does not sound exciting. But yeah. as you grow, you understand that really that's our value as owners uh, and operators is really owning those, those systems. And the thing that I love about you is that it sounds like you have a number for everything, right? There is a five steps this, and then there's a seven step that, and then there's an eight step this. And it's, and it's, but it works because then it's, it's something that it's, it's a checklist. And I know that with. I was chuckling to myself when when I said it, because I've already said like five to this, seven to this, eight to this. But it's, it's It's good. The way my brain works. Yeah. But it makes sense because I think it's, it's, it's super easy for you to, and I think Adam, Adam Knight that has a big hospitality background used to say this, say this on the show is like, you have to inspect what you expect yeah right and i think at the beginning especially when it comes to vas a lot of the times they don't mean well they don't mean badly either they just don't know what your expectations are so unless you're you're there with them um but yeah that's that's really the key of where you spend a lot of your time where we when we're growing to this level i think you're spending kind of videoing yourself when when i take people on as well one one of the things that i always do is i always take people on of 
that are better than me at certain tasks. So I'll find people that have the opposite skill set to me. So for example, my business partner, I'm the, I'm the salesperson. I'm the, the, the operator. He is very much a techie person. He's an analyst. He, he was an analyst for Bank of America and he, he was like a senior analyst for them. So he loves that side of things, you know, the technical side. He likes to lock himself in a dark room and sit tapping away on his laptop. And that's just the opposite of what I like doing. Mm-hmm. So that kind of works together. But we do that when we take on virtual assistants as well. So we've got three now. Um, every single one of them's got a, a, an opposing skill set, if that makes sense. So you've got one that's guest services, one that's marketing and creative. And then you've got an accountant that's or very much an, an analyst. And they all kind of work together in tandem and they don't, because they, they've all got different skill sets, they all work together. And you say that, you know, they say like opposites attract. Mm. That's really key for, well, for, for us in our team as well, that we don't have too many people that are exactly the same because you end up banging heads, right? hundred percent. And that's mm. another lesson that I've learned over time. Yeah, yeah. Having the right mix and having uh, the right butts in the right seats, basically. You know, mm-hmm. where people can kind of work in their natural flow, their natural genius, and they're yeah. more fulfilled and more stuff gets done. Yeah. So, yeah. It's also counterintuitive because at the beginning, you just want to work with people that are like you because that you want to hire people that are exactly know? like yeah. you. And you like them and you're like, this is going to be so fun. And then you're like, shit, I'm paying all these people salary and I hate all of them because they remind <laughs> me of myself. So this yeah. is going to work. Um, right. But then, you know, it's, it's also part of the learning, you know? It's a brilliant point. Yeah, you that. do. When you when you the, the worst thing you can do when you you interview people is the people that you you really relate with and you see they're just like you. You tend to want to hire those types of people. It's it's not that. It's not that you you hire them for what they're good at. And I always get people that are better than what I do at stuff that I. Well, two things: things I don't like doing, which are generally things that um, I'm, I'm not good at. Right? Because if you're good at them, you generally like doing them. Mm-hmm. So I end up taking people on that can do the stuff that I don't like and the things that I'm not good at, and they are better than me at doing. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Well, I want to be respectful of your time. I know we're we're getting close to the top of the hour here. So, um, before we get into our final question, first I want to acknowledge you and uh, thank you for coming on here and being so open and honest to, to share all your feedback, kind of pull that curtain back, share all the nitty gritty details. And, um, that's just one thing I love about this industry, um, is so many people like yourself that have reached those levels of success are just willing to share and like open up, Mm -hmm. but there it's also not from an ego standpoint. Like you said it multiple times that you're still learning and you're still going on clubhouse to network and meet new people and learn new things. Like you, you've never quote unquote made it. You know what no, I mean? No, no, no. And I never feel like that. Yeah. No, I've never, I never feel like that. There's always for me. Um, and I think this is an entre- entrepreneurial thing. Once you get to a certain level, then, then there's the next level. There's yes. always something else. Like, well, I've got these apart hotels. Well, what's next? Where do I go next? You know, I'm going to take an Island down. What's he doing over there? Well, or what's she doing over there? Well, well, maybe I could do that next. You know, it's, and, and, and that's why I love, I absolutely love learning and I love Clubhouse. The minute that, I, the, the, the day I get to a place where I'm not learning is the day I quit. Mm. That's, a, that's a great mantra. That's a, that's a quote we need for the show notes right there. Um, 
So where can folks learn more about you, your mentorship, your companies, the apart hotels, where can folks learn more about you and connect with you? Yeah. Um, so you can reach me on any social media channel. Um, if you just search for Dave Goodfellow, um, my business is iconic. So iconic with a K I K O N I C we've got iconic training Academy, iconic property. Um, we've got copper house, which is our guest facing brand for, um, for, for, for our serviced accommodation business. Uh, well, so I've probably forgotten. I've got loads of companies that I, <laughs> I've probably forgotten half of them, but iconic is the, uh, is, is the main company. Okay. Iconic Training Academy and Copper House. Awesome. I love it. I love it. So the last question that we ask all of our guests is clubhouse what- is where you can get us on, by the way. Sorry. We've got, um, we've got the, we talk property club. That's the, that's the, the property club that we have on clubhouse we do we do a show every morning every morning from monday to friday from 7 30 uk time till 8 30 uk time probably you guys are probably in bed but um i don't know what time is it over there now right now it's about four it's gonna be four o'clock in a couple minutes four four p.m yes all right okay well five hours five hours behind us okay yeah you'll definitely be in bed when uh <laughs> We're doing that. So. Yeah, I, I like I like you very much. I'm not getting up at two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I was going to say I'm not going to get many um, many takers for that show here, am I? <laughs> so the the last question that we like to ask all of our guests is, what is your number one secret to success with short term rentals? Consistency. Okay, and what do I mean by consistency? So. It's very easy on this, in the short-term rental market to give up because you'll get more no's than you'll get yeses, right? So you've got to be consistent. You've got to keep on doing the mundane daily tasks that give you the success at the end of it. Simple as that. Love it. Love it. Well, Dave Goodfellow, thank you, sir, so much for coming on here. This has been a lot of fun. Really appreciate it. And uh, we'll talk soon. Hey guys, thank you very much. Hey, STR Nation, if you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to hit that subscribe button and leave us a review. And in the comments, let us know what topics you want us to cover on upcoming episodes. And we'll make sure to get that in the books for you. And if you really want to learn how to launch, automate, and scale your short-term rental business, if you want to go deeper, then check out our free masterclass at strsecrets.com.